place that uh, made nerd cool. The most popular password in the United States is password one, two, three. Those are some of my previous passwords. Who on earth would actually fall for that? Sensitive information has been given to the wrong hands. Security Bash. Well, so we probably should talk a little bit about uh, IDES and what you do. So you're the developer advocate uh, for Auth0. One of them. One of seven, I think we're at now. Six or seven of us. Well, yeah, it's a growing team. Super, super developer-focused company, which makes it extremely yes. interesting uh, totally. for, for stuff like this. But for, for people don't listening, and also for my benefit, what what's what's IDES? Why is that something that's a, a problem that developers All right. should be concerned about? Okay, so just a heads up. I know you gave me a brief outline of the kind of questions you were interested. Um, I did read it at the time, and currently today I've been uh, at a virtual conference all day. So I'm going to be winging a lot of this, but I think that's where the best answers come from. I definitely, I, I definitely think winging. Let's 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 get rid of the script. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you might want to refer to it, but it's over on. Actually, it's not even on that screen anymore. So I don't know. I'm I'm just going to go along with whatever happens. This could be exciting. It could be yeah. terrible, but it'll definitely be exciting. So IDAS or Identity as a Service is. Uh, the way I describe m most of what IDAS and Auth0 is, is usually in relation to other things. People work well with analogies. And while things like uh, Auth0 and Cognito and uh, Keycloak and a number of uh, identities as a service platforms and products, so Keycloak is an open source product that you can run yourself, uh, a lot of people are familiar with them, but it's still a bit of a, like, how how does it fit into the ecosystem? Whereas conversely, if you think of something like Stripe for payments or PayPal for payments, everybody kind of gets that. So I like to use that as an example point. So ID as a service is kind of like payments as a service, but for identity. It, mm. Nobody writes their own credit card processing anymore unless they work for Stripe or PayPal or whoever. So in the same way as uh, there's, the, the most people's focus isn't on building uh, identity. Like that's not what makes their application better. What makes their application better is that their payroll system works better or their social networking uh, algorithms work better or their whatever product it is you're building works better than the other person's or provides a better service to their customers. You're not going to get, most of the time, you're not going to get a better uh, user experience for your customers by rolling your own identity. And that's where ID as a service comes in. It, it basically abstracts that whole identity layer, it uses standardized protocols. So Auth uh, 2.0 has been around for a while and OpenID Connect, which sits on top of that, provides the the more authorization uh, the authentication side as opposed to the authorization side which auth 2.0 provided so there's all these protocols that provide a, a standardized way of knowing who's logged in what their permissions are all of these things which you could roll yourself and then you'd be interoperable with other systems and you can you can hook directly into other auth providers but why bother what it's like it's like trying to work out how to talk to a credit card provider just yeah Use use a service out there that that does it well. At the end of the day, we have developers whose sole job it is to keep this data secure and the application secure and stable and up. That you don't want to be spending time working on that. Like I've I've I always thought there was a market somewhere for roll your own, and I'm struggling to find. And, and I come from an open source background. Uh, I ran the open source developers conference in Australia. I've run various meetups. I didn't actually find out about open source until I got to Australia, which is 
three years after I started working in the IT industry officially, like after university. Uh, I used PHP for a long time, but I didn't actually understand what open source or the open source community was. But once I met it, this amorphous blob called the open source community, I just fell in love with the the ideals and the, the all the rest of it. And I always used to come from a position of, I can... I'm more invested in looking after my users' data than any third party ever will be. And that's kind of the the basis that I used for justifying rolling my own auth and just doing everything myself. And it was fun to learn these things. But then one day somebody said to me, if you if your product had a data breach and all of your users' usernames and hash passwords, ideally, uh, were leaked, <laughs> what would the effect of that be? I said, well... I'd struggle. Loyal people would stay. I'd have a huge big PR issue. I'd have to fix it, obviously, maybe shut things down. If it's a side project, then that's a whole lot of my personal time that's just disappeared. He said, what would happen if somebody like Auth0 had a data breach? And I paused for a second, and he answered for me. He said, they would go out of business. They are more invested in keeping your users' credentials safe. You are more invested in making sure that your application does what your users want it to do. And that reframing was really interesting for me because it was at that point where I started reevaluating how I looked at a whole lot of different things in life. I'm still very much an open source proponent, but I see the value now also in the proprietary as a service model out there, the the free tier or the freemium, I think they call it, yeah. uh, kind of product usage thing. I, I still think about data being locked away. And I still analyze whether or not like what is the what does the escape capsule capsule look like? What's what's the way of getting out of any one system that I buy into? Uh, to the extent that I even emailed um, one password, well, but tweeted them because I think Twitter nowadays is the the equivalent of the, uh, the emailing a manager. <laughs> I'm going to tweet at them, and then they have to <laughs> respond because it was public. And anyway. So I, I've sent them a message saying, "What's your um, what's your risk mitigation plan? Like, if you if your data's if your servers are, are completely fried, uh, have I lost all of my passwords? Mm-hmm. I know that the data is secure while it's in there because it's encrypted in in transit and uh, only decryptable in one of their their applications, uh, and only with my private keys. But what happens if all the data gets lost altogether? Like, I don't actually have a backup. Do I need to keep backups? And they gave me a response, which which made me very happy that, yes, it's it's extremely unlikely that anything is ever going to go wrong. And if it does, then so many other things are going to have gone wrong that the last thing I'll be worried about is not having my passwords anymore. <laughs> so, but it's still worth, worth keeping in mind. It, it definitely. And you touched on the, a few things here. And one thing is that, you know, as a developer, you always want to know the inner workings of everything that you do. It's kind of in your nature to want definitely. to pull stuff apart. Yeah. So to hand off something, you know, is always, uh, it's always difficult, you know, mm-hmm. it's always difficult to, to, to leave part of your, part of your oh, baby yes. to someone else. Yeah. But, it, you know, are there are there still advantages to doing it yourself? And when you're using you know ID as a service, is is there a point where it becomes unscalable and you have to go back? Because you know one thing that's interesting is that when we build stuff, we build stuff with scale in mind usually. Sure. You know, and so sometimes <laughs> while it might not make sense for the for the short term, you think well maybe building an authentication service uh, is going to help me. In, in in the long run and understanding how that works you know yeah. is, is that true or or you know is 
is, are we really missing the mark of what's important when we're considering these things? I think when it comes to, so there were a couple of questions in there. So there was one about scale. Is, is there any point at which it would make sense to write your own? There's two things I'm reading into that. Either you're saying, if you don't have enough scale, if you're so small that you don't need a whole platform to outsource your identity to, is that a, a valid option? I won't say the word valid because that's very judgy, but is that a, a better option or, or is there are there any kind of pros and cons to weigh up at that point? The other end of the, the spectrum is if you are an absolutely massive company that has thousands of people logging in all day long, then do you want to trust that to a third-party provider who might not build skill with you? Uh, I'm not sure which one of those perspectives you're coming from, but I can I can talk to both of them. Yeah, let's 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 tackle both of those because they're, they're sure. They kind of speak to different people. Yes. So on the small side, if I was to start my own side project and I needed some kind of identity, why would I use something like Auth0 rather than rolling my own? And I'll take two tangible examples. So one is, as I say, I'm from a PHP background. Um, and I'm not sure whether you're familiar with PHP at all or Laravel. Laravel has, um, so PHP's got Composer, which is kind of like NPM for, for Node world. And Laravel also has Artisan, which is kind of the command line management tool thing for, for Laravel. So you can do various things with, um, with Artisan. So you can do Artisan make auth, which is a one-liner. You run it, and probably within about a minute, uh, it'll say, that's done. Then you do uh, Artisan migrate make my migrate or something or other. And it'll then take your database migrations and update your MySQL if you're doing a standard out-of-the-box type thing. Uh, it'll update the the user table or create a user table or something to, to, it basically does it all for you. So within five minutes, probably less, you've got authentication and it'll build, I think even out-of-the-box, it'll build a login page, a password reset page and a password change page. Um, maybe one or two of those might be missing, but th definitely the login one, login and sign up is there. So it's fairly easy, and it uses bcrypt by default. So your password hashes are secured in in the way that is currently best practice. And I'm sure if that ever changed, then so would their their um, their implementation of that. So it's easy. You don't need to go to a third party provider. You don't need to sign up for anything. You don't need to uh, agree to any terms or conditions. You don't need to create an application and work out how to implement the Auth0 SDK in Laravel. So yes, it, it's a lot faster. The scalability side, all of the load is now added onto your server. So every time somebody wants to do any kind of bcrypt stuff, um, that's being run by your server. Anytime somebody wants to change a password, that's being done by your server. You need to make sure that you can send emails, which nowadays emails is something that websites do a lot less often. Email um, configuration is a lot harder. I used to run my own email server and just keeping on top of things like DMARC and SPF records and all of those things and making sure that my servers had uh, an SMTP account to connect to to send emails and didn't trigger spam and all those things. You don't want to have to worry about those. I, I hated those things, which is why I don't run my own email server anymore. <laughs> so there's there's that side to it. And the login is one thing, but as soon as you want to do um, multi-factor authentication, you want to send an SMS out to make sure that the person is actually logged in. You've got to implement that yourself within Laravel. If you want to do um, any other kind of authentication mechanism, if it was like a, an email-based single click, like the way that Slack works, when you log into Slack and it says, we've sent your link and you click on it and it automatically logs you in, those kind of things you'd have to to implement yourself. So this is where ID as a service platforms come in useful because they've got that all in there already. 
Now, some of those features and functionalities, things like enterprise Active Directory integration, for example, that's not something most developers are going to need. And if you do, it's probably within an enterprise uh, space. And at that point, with Auth0 anyway, and probably most of the other providers, there is uh, a level at which you, the, you need to upgrade. So the freemium free tier is only going to give you so much. Um, but in, I would say, 99% of cases, 100% of cases that I've that I've spoken to people about, most people have been fine with a free tier almost forever. It's it's only if you know that you're going to have to grow that you build that into your the, into your plans and you, you yeah it, you you can have seven thousand people every month logging into your system. You can have two and a half million as many customers as you want in your database, and all zero is still free. So the free tiers really do give us a lot and same for stripe stripe well stripe slightly different because they always charge a percentage on top um but most of the systems you look at there'll be a free tier I'm, I'm using sanity which is a headless cms for my personal website now and their free tier as well i'm probably never gonna have to pay for that so there's so much that we can do as developers who want to start on our mvps on our personal side projects we can use netlify or versal for free we can use um well, all of the platform, all of the, the um, frameworks are pretty much free. <laughs> that, that's all open source. Uh, I, I don't see there being a point in not implementing something like an idea as a service early because it means that in the future, if your application does scale, you're ready to jump. You don't have to, if you wrote a Laravel app and then down the line you think, well, now I need to do single sign-on Active Directory integration and multi-factor authentication. I could spend a couple of months doing that or I could spend couple of weeks doing a, a migration to something like Auth0, if you'd done Auth0 in the first place, you wouldn't be having that issue. And it probably wouldn't have cost you anything to do that in the first place. So that that's that's the small application side of things. On the big app side of things, does Auth0 scale? I'll, I'll give you a really short answer to that one because my first answer was really long. Uh, Atlassian, <laughs> Atlassian use Auth0 for all of their identity. And okay. I think... <laughs> if they can, if if they can scale, if we can scale with them, um, I think we'll be fine with most other applications. Yeah, that's a real like drop mic kind of moment. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about this, when you, you you talked about a lot of different services, you know, implementing and the free tiers that would come on, and this is really uh, this huge shift in architecture. This particularly accelerated over the last 10 years when you look at the, the different microservices and kind of SaaS platforms and everything. You know, is there a risk that uh, you, as as developers, we're going to collectively lose knowledge in how all of these systems in different areas work, you know, and, and therefore almost become a little bit, uh, a little bit lazy? Or, or do you feel more the opposite? Do you feel that this is going to free up people to to really work on really cool interesting individual niche aspects that and they no longer have to worry about this what, what's it you know as a whole when you look at the 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 architecture and the environment you know, sure. what are the risks and where do you think we're hitting in, in that i i feel like that's a loaded question i, I, <laughs> I, sensed, I sensed excitement in your alternative in, in the latter Approach. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for this because there will be one. But when we look at any kind of technology, technology improves all the time. The replacement of the the Gutenberg press with the um, mechanized, like the, the automated printing press, it put plate setters out of jobs, and it means that we don't 
don't have as broad a knowledge. Like there are fewer people who know about um, all, all of the things that went into making a manual printing press, but that hasn't made our lives worse. We there are so many examples of where things have become either automated or um, centralized, so that there are few people who have to do the things that make that work, and more people can take advantage of the fact that it just exists. Uh, so I, I don't see there being a negative, like a, a con to it being platformized, if that's a word we can coin, or maybe somebody else already has, and I mean breach of copyright or something. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think there's a risk. However, one of the things that I, I emphasize whenever I'm giving any of my conference talks around general security practices, there's a couple that I do on the OWASP top 10, and I do a demo of five of them and show actual working code of, of injection attacks and these things that understanding them is still going to help us as developers to understand what's happening under the hood. There, there is a lot of black box magic that goes on, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But understanding why it's a good thing and having a concept of even 10% of what goes on in that black box will not just help us appreciate the fact that it's taken off our hands, but also perhaps help us in designing other systems as well. Um, an example of that, I, I worked uh, before I was at AllZero, I was a, a security consultant slash uh, contract developer, which usually went along the lines of, hey, we've got this project that we we need a security consultant on, can you join us? And then two weeks later when I joined, they'd say, oh, that project's been canned, can you help us update our Magento website? That's why I was mostly a contract developer. But one of the things that we did, and it was actually uh, a suite of Magento sites for, uh, they're called Haynes now, I can't remember what they were before, um, but they, they're the Australian company behind um, Bonds and Burley and, and all of those things, the, the clothing in Manchester kind of company and they've got they had about nine different websites where you could buy various things from and each one if you had an account on two of them you would have two separate accounts but they wanted to move towards a single checkout model so what i designed was a system that allowed and they also had to be totally independent they had to be able to choose which of the nine sites were opted into the central the single checkout uh, option if you if two sites were opted in, say Bonds and Burley, for example, and you made a purchase only from Bonds, then it should actually go, the checkout should be through Bonds. If there was something in your cart from multiple sites, then it would go through the centralized checkout. So all sorts of interesting workflows and, and decision points to be made during the, the checkout process. And what I did was I borrowed from the OAuth spec. So we basically had, we didn't use OAuth specifically, but we used the whole concept of passing auth keys around and having server-to-server -server communications that were uh, enabled and verified through browser communications. Um, I won't go into the, 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 like the weeds on this one, but essentially I used this, this existing protocol that was all around authorization to create a centralized shopping cart system which was sort of authorization based, but not quite. But having that understanding meant that I was able to design um, possibly shave days or weeks off the, the design process for the application because there was something in my mind that I thought, oh, this is a little bit like that. So understanding the security models and how identity works and how you would store passwords and all of these things when it comes to, do I go with an ID as a service provider or do I roll my own? I think having that understanding is always going to put you in better stead, but it's not something that's, 
a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. And to the, set, the other part of your question, does it free us up to do more uh, innovation? And that, that's exactly what all of the platform services do. We we don't host our own websites anymore. We stick them in the cloud somewhere, whether it's serverless or it's um, I don't know, S3 or EC2, or even if we go to Linode and set up an actual Linux server, we don't manage bare metal anymore. Most of the time, we don't even manage operating systems. Most of the time, it is cloud. Most of the time, it's static. Uh, we can just host everything in a CDN. So there's, there are so many things we don't do anymore, which allows us to focus more on creating new things, um, whether it's for fun and excitement and the 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 joy of creating something, or whether it's because you've got this idea and you want to get an MVP out there quickly. Uh, just think about 10 years ago, where we now, 2020, probably even 15 years ago. If you had an idea for a new project, you'd spend probably, I don't know, at least two weeks, two to four weeks, setting up your local development environment, designing a data model, getting some kind of staging environment set up somewhere. You probably wouldn't even worry about CI, CD at that point. Uh, you'd need to create a GitHub project, all of these things, some of which we still have to do nowadays. But you can start an MVP nowadays and get something up and running in probably about a day versus two to four weeks before. A Gatsby app uh, with a, a simple Express API, authentication and Stripe payments. You could have a mini shop functional and taking payments within a week. This this is something that years ago, a decade ago, you would have thought, no way in hell I'm going to get something up that quickly. So I think it's already proven by using these platforms uh, and outsourcing, basically outsourcing the stuff that doesn't make you different to somebody else. Focus on using your time to make yourself different, to make your app stand out from the rest, to do the thing that you think there's a business need for or a market need for. Yeah, I completely, uh, I completely agree. You know, and, I thought uh, you might. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and I liked your analogy. You know, of the plate setters. You know, for the for the press, because you know, you see, you see that now. There's 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 plate setters out there today that don't want to lose their. You know, that they don't want to lose their relevance and want to to keep yeah. going. You know, and and kind of push these and narratives. The there, there still is room for these plate setters. You look at the the loom. There is still there's still a place for looms out there. You have communities built up around maintaining these uh, heritage skills that m- might never need to be used. But hey, look at where we are at the moment. Maybe in in a few years' time, we might be living in siloed communities. We won't have international travel of any sort. We won't be able to ship things internationally because maybe the, the virus is. Uh, modified and now anything that gets touched is just deadly forever maybe we have to maybe i can't even go to melbourne anymore maybe i'm stuck to the the 20ks around my house (laughs) there might become a time when we need these old skills so it's definitely Mm. worthwhile holding on to them but we don't all need to know them right now in the same way as we don't all need to know how to be accountants that's still a a a thriving and, and valid skill to have but we don't all need to know that if one day I don't know, I can't talk to an accountant anymore and I still need to submit my tax return, then maybe I need to learn some more and there'll be a lot of resources out there to help me. So I don't don't think we need to forget these skills. Um, and look, we we I don't even know how many of the, I think we're about 700, 800 people at All Zero now, and some large percentage of that is going to be software engineers working on the identity platform. 
if we didn't have people with those skills, we wouldn't have anyone to employ. There would be no product. So the skills are definitely still needed, just fewer, fewer people. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that uh, that makes perfect sense. You painted a, a bleak a bleak picture of the pandemic. <laughs> I might have to go back and Google it's... how to how to become a place <laughs> for a press. <laughs> That's right, and then, then then you'll be able to. But the problem is that I don't know. Maybe platesetters will actually be uh, a dead job in the future, in that bleak future, because <laughs> if you if you can't distribute things anyway, what's the point in having a newspaper? This is true. This is true. It'll be word of mouth from eight meters. We'll go back to the, the town choir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Just give me a bell. I'll, I'll shout at people. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do, do you think this whole landscape, uh, you know, from a secu security perspective, which is something that, you know, I'm incredibly interested in, you know, having all these different SaaS platforms that connect together and also having, you know, identity as, as a service, off-sourcing this, you know, it obviously means that uh, we can create stronger, we can use stronger services, we can have less vulnerabilities and, and you know, our authentication services. But when we're all using centralized systems, it becomes, we're all using the same things. We, we, we're potentially having all the same vulnerabilities and, you know, potentially creating a, you know, you, a mass problem, you know, when, when it comes to security, you know, using these, this architecture of microservices, you know, and having to need hundreds of these different API keys and session tokens, mm -hmm. you know, do, do you feel like this creates a, a new kind of security threat as someone that's kind of uh, working on the, you know, it, it, in the front lines of this new kind of architecture? I think everything creates a new security threat. Uh, <laughs> Good answer. Bug fixes create new security <laughs> threats. Uh, yeah. Hiring a new developer who's not familiar with your code creates a new security threat. There's no, there's no way of stopping vulnerabilities. And this is mm. the age-old contention that will always happen. In order to keep things safe, the good people of this world have to get it right every single time. And the bad people in this world only have to get it right once. As soon as that that vulnerability is found and, and exploited, whatever happens, you're dead or like not, not figuratively, I mean, not literally, hopefully figuratively dead. Um, you've got a data breach, maybe you've lost money, whatever the, the side effect is. There, somebody only has to succeed at attacking you once. And we have to keep the defenses up and functional 100% of the time. It's impossible. So yes, there are always security vulnerabilities. Uh, you you asked whether I don't know whether I'm paraphrasing correctly, but the homogenization and shrinking of all of the services that we have, if we're all using the same system, does that make us uh, less secure? In many ways, I think it's the opposite. If there's only one tool to audit, then as soon as something's found, you can fix it faster. It's the same as the whole open source analogy where people say, oh, there are so many people working on it that there could be a vulnerability. Yeah, but there are also so many people looking at it that the vulnerability can be found. You can't find vulnerabilities in black boxes. So, and then on the other hand, we've discussed platform services being black boxes. So there, there certainly is that balance there of making sure that you're, from a commercial sense, that your your proprietary software is protected commercially as well as from a security perspective. 
while also providing enough transparency and, and auditing to make sure that people are confident that the the systems and tools that they're using are doing what they expect them to do. So they'll always be there, and it's it's ever moving goalposts. To be honest, I don't think that going one way or the other, like going more towards platforms and cloud um, cloud native or whatever you want to call it, going more towards that is going to make us more or less secure than going more towards let's roll your own. And I mean, there's there's power in being different as well, right? If you've got mm. 74 different uh, or 74 million different implementations of authorization, then attacking one is likely to not an attack that would work on one is likely to not work on all of the others because they're different implementations. They're a bit based on different stacks, which themselves have different vulnerabilities. It's like trying to attack a static website with a WordPress hack. It's not going to do anything. So there's certainly power in being different. But with that comes a higher cost in terms of maintenance. You need exponentially more people to be looking at each individual bit of code to make sure that it stays safe and addressing vulnerabilities that are reported and looking for vulnerabilities that might not have been found, that you're just it, that itself isn't scalable. Like you can't keep putting more and more people onto making secure software because we're humans, we are fallible, we we are very good at writing insecure software as a as a species. So I think minimizing that and and honing in on a few really good implementations that can be kept secure by those who are who excel in their field i think that will keep us stronger yeah no i and i, I agree with uh, and you know and, and I, I i agree with that but there comes a concern you know with this you know that we're and how it shapes but i think that it's it's going to be shaped by uh you know the, the companies that are doing that are doing well and innovative, that are moving us forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's great. That's and right. ho- hopefully, we've uh, converted a, a few people and steered them away from uh, <laughs> trying to go out and create their own uh, authentication services yeah. for their MVPs. Cool. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I like well, how I say, even if you don't use Auth zero, don't roll your own. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thanks so much, mate. And I'll uh, talk to you next time. Thank you. Take care. Yeah.